welcome to Project Esports for December 3rd, 2018. It is December, it's Christmas time, the season is coming, and it is getting closer and closer to the day we are all waiting for, the start of Overwatch Season 2. But, that is not the important part. Today we're here to talk Esports, not just Overwatch, but we also have Hearthstone, we're going to be talking a little bit about Dota 2, Steam, video games kind of in general going on over in China. But before we get to all that, as always, I am your host, Andrew Nimsgern, and alongside me, I have my meme boy, Dylan Beale, who is always here through thick and thin. James is on his last week off of work still. He'll be back with us next week. But to replace him, which I feel like might be a little bit of an upgrade, is Dustin. Um, he is a writer. Um, actually, I'm not going to introduce you. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are if they somehow don't know who you are right now? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Hey guys, uh, Dustin Steiner here. I'm a writer at Unicorn. Um, I write a lot about a lot of different esports, but my main beats are Overwatch League, CS:GO, and uh, kind of general esports industry. Yeah, and I mean, especially today, you've probably seen one of his two articles. I mean, we we're just talking about a little bit in the pre-show. Um, we'll probably be bringing up a lot of his Twitter, is some of the articles he wrote. But he put out the breaking news on the Fanatics uh, partnership with the Overwatch League that happened this morning, which we'll talk about a little bit more on the show. And he also put out a uh, breaking news article about um, Korea implementing a actual like penalty onto any account boosters. What was it? Two years in uh, jail, jail and what was the penalty fine? Uh, yeah, it's uh, up to two years in jail and up to an eighteen thousand dollar approximately USD. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, which are both crazy. We'll talk about a little bit of those in uh, just a couple of minutes here, but if you're a big Overwatch fan, he's putting out a lot of great content, so do go and check him out. Um, where can they find you on Twitter if they wanted to follow you and get all the articles? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GetSteinerd. Uh, that's... Uh... You guys, you guys just have to guess on the spelling right now because I'm not going to say it. And when and, he is uh, up on screen or when he is the main box on the stream, right. I have his Twitter down the bottom right corner. So if you want to check the spelling there, otherwise we're tagging him in a bunch of tweets too. So you can find him just about anywhere through that. But before we get into the actual show, I want to talk a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if, as always, if you have Amazon Prime, that means you have Twitch Prime, which means you can subscribe to the Game House channel. It supports us, it supports the Game House, it helps us make great content for you, bring in awesome guest hosts, and just make more. And it, um, eventually we're going to be getting you guys emotes, and so much more. Alongside that, we are having a very heavy content week for you guys. Not only will our first episode of the Overwatch branding series be out on Thursday, but we're also having an interview with Steve Forden from the uh, the social media manager for Immortals, Ali Valiant, MIBR, releasing on Wednesday. Um, I'll be putting out an exact tweet of what times those will be publishing later on in the week, but we have both of those pieces of content coming out later in this week alongside this weekly episode. But enough of all the opening and the housekeeping, let's get into Overwatch with the thing that I think pretty much any Overwatch League fan has been waiting for, the announcement of the final two teams. So I guess first off, let's kind of just go through the um, Vancouver Titans, since they were first, they released on Saturday. Um, for anyone that didn't see the branding already, they are going to be the Vancouver Titans. Um, they are going with the Canucks blue and green, and they pretty much have the entire Runaways roster. So, what did you guys think about the reveal event? What do you think about the branding and the roster? Just kind of in general, what are your first impressions of seeing this team that was kind of leaked a while ago, but it's out officially now? I'm excited about it. I think it's really cool. I do like the colors. I think they're kind of strange colors. It's it's 
not colors you normally see. Um, like we talked, like they very had those colors kind of established, but this, at least for Overwatch League, is, is something different, which I think is good. We see a lot of blues and blacks and stuff, and it, it gets a little boring. So I'm glad these colors are, are the ones because they're unique, they're interesting, and obviously the, the roster is super hype, right? I mean, how can you not be hyped about that roster? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think that the – I'm not the biggest fan of the colors. Like, I think that, like, blue and green's cool, but, like, maybe if they had gone with some different shades. I know why they didn't because, you know, Canucks own them. And it makes sense. But it, it is kind of an out-there color scheme for, for Owl. Um, maybe, like, a little bit of a darker green would have been cool, but I get it. it. It's good for the region. You know, a lot of people within that region will associate, you know, that those colors with Canucks and, like, even kind of Seahawks even, like, you know, all that Pacific Northwest sports teams. It's great. Um, the roster, obviously, Runway is awesome. Uh, yeah, I think Overwatch League is going to have a real hard time disassociating Runaway with, you know, from what they were to yeah. what they are now. I think that's going to become a huge narrative. Is can anyone beat Runaway? And like, it's going to be a, a lot of really fun uh, headlines for me if the Titans start winning. So, so uh, I guess, do you guys think that? So first off, not even just talking about the branding, but having the Runaway Roth roster. Obviously, they were beloved in Korea. They did really well last season in Contenders. They're pretty much coming in already with chemistry. And with um, kind of an established team, they kind of know what they're doing coming in. It's not just pretty much changing the branding and where they're playing for Runaway. Do you feel like this is giving them a big advantage over the other expansion teams? Do you feel like that advantage is going to kind of have set higher expectations if they don't perform well? Like, what impact does having their Runaway roster kind of impact the team and what's expected of them coming into the first, well, the first season for them? So I'm um, just going to take basically shots at the dark in the dark for this one because I'm not an analytical person when it comes to Overwatch at all. Um, but just kind of like from like an outside perspective looking in, it just seems, you know, they were a tier two team. Um, so it's not like they're just taking like a tier one team and moving them in, even though they're really good. Like I, I definitely don't want to downplay how, how well they play because they play very well and they have the chemistry. So that is a really good boost, I think. Um, but I don't think they have anyone from an already established um, tier one team, which I'm I'm just gonna guess from all the other esports on how they operate, tier one and tier two for Overwatch is definitely different, and it is just it's a different environment. You know, we we heard about how players are just getting completely burnt out um, from the Overwatch League in in the tier one teams, and I mean, granted, it's getting a lot less exposure, but I'm sure that kind of rigorous schedule isn't the same for tier two. So whenever you have teams, uh, some of these expansion teams that are taking players from already established teams, some of these players, I'm sure, already know the environment. They know how to operate in it. And for lack of a better term, they know how to survive in it. So I think that has a little bit of advantage of having those kind of season. Like, it's only one year, but, I mean, they are seasoned players um, as opposed to just, uh, you know, a Tier 2 team that does have really good chemistry. Do you okay. kind of agree? I'm sure you have a little bit more of an analytical look on it. What do you think about it, Dustin? Um, I, I think that a lot's changed in Overwatch League this year. Um, you know, you, you're not going to have this 40-game season anymore. Uh, teams will have guaranteed bye weeks. They'll have weeks where they only play one game. I think that, you know, 
Uh, Runaway in particular is, is a special case coming from, like, basically coming from Contenders Korea. They play all on land anyway. So, like, it's a very similar environment to what, you know, they're coming into in Burbank. I think the biggest thing for them is how fast they're able to adjust to living in the States and, like, kind of being removed from their, you know, their home country for the first time and everything like that. You know, fortunately, they have, like, a lot of their support. Like, or I think all of their support staff came over from yeah. Runaway. So, like... You know, they, they aren't really getting used to anybody new. They're just getting used to new surroundings. Uh, that I think that's going to give uh, them a big boost in the first, like, maybe the first half, the first three quarters of the season to, like, uh, up on these other teams because, like, these other teams have to basically gel as a unit within uh, – they have about, oh, a month, let's see, a month and a half left to gel as a unit yeah. before the season starts. And, yeah, it's uh, – well, maybe two months of that. Yeah, that but no, what Bodie's like saying is that there's not much time. They do, I do yeah, agree that they kind of have that advantage that they already have the chemistry, which is probably going to be the hardest part. Be like you're saying, Dylan. I mean, they are coming from tier two, so not only do they have to kind of adjust um, for non-Korean players that do play land, they have to adjust of moving to that land schedule, of playing a lot more, being a lot more rigorous, but also kind of getting along with their teammates now and trying to figure out a whole new team concept. So I do agree with kind of points you're both making on that, but. One last thing I want to talk about for their kind of release before we move on to the Washington Justice is going to be what is up with these major organizations just not having Twitch moderators for like their announcements. I mean, do we, is it not as big of a deal? I tweeted about it. I thought it was kind of a big deal. Like, I feel like the Toronto defined to the same thing too. And I feel like, is this just showing that there may be some disconnect between these teams and the management behind them and what their priorities are or is it just an oversight on the part so i think it might be a little bit of oversight because my guess is that whenever they have the teams right they have all their support staff pretty well established coach uh, like coaches um analysts probably even chefs and everything like they have everything all set social media everything but I'm guessing like Twitch moderators aren't very high on that list. And that's just like, I think something that probably falls through the cracks and people don't really think of because a lot of Twitch monitors for most streams. Now I'm just going off of, you know, smaller streamers. When I say smaller, I mean, as in like organizationally a lot smaller mm -hmm. of where it's like maybe one person. A lot of these people are just um, volunteers um, in the community who are doing this. And so I wonder if some of the other teams that are out there right now hire moderators. Maybe they have a bigger social media team than just one or two people. I, I, I'd be really curious to see how they're actually handling that because my guess is these new teams probably just have a really small social media team. And so whenever it comes to streaming, they have the production all settled. Like they have camera crew, um, all that set up. They just, they just don't have Twitch mods. <laughs> Um, and I, I think it's a little detail that goes a long way. Um, it's like it's like one of those really small things. It's like I mean, even like like production, right? Like camera angles. If you have terrible terrible camera angles, it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. You know what I mean? Like a, a small thing, it can have big waves. And I think that's kind of how uh, the, the Twitch mods work because obviously we saw <laughs> what happened. It was ugly. It got really ugly really quick once people realized there's no chat mods. Dustin, yeah. what do you kind of think about? I mean, am I, am I overreacting with this, or is this something that shouldn't be um, happening too much in esports? No, I mean, like it certainly would be nice if they had mods. Um, 
I, I, I think the, the problem is, especially with these expansion teams that are coming out, some of them, like, are maybe they're being run by experienced esports organizations, but some of them aren't. And, like, they're investors that are coming in that are still hiring their support staff. Like, they've got everything together for the reveal, but, like, they don't really have, like, they just haven't had time to set up something like, you know, a Discord where they could recruit people to do that. You know, or anything like that. Um, you know, organizations like Toronto, yeah, they should have had people because of splice and everything. But I have a feeling that like a lot of their staffers were at the event itself, yeah. and they were doing stuff at the event. If it's such as a live thing, um, so they just didn't. They weren't able to sit at a computer and moderate, which is unfortunate. I mean, honestly, if you don't have moderators like that, you're better off just disabling the channel. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, once they saw it going downhill, like someone had to have seen it, and they should have just turned it off or something. Like, I, I eventually just minimized chat when I was watching the stream because it was almost just distracting and made me wanted to tune out to a point of how bad it was getting. To be honest with you, whenever I watch Twitch streams, I usually just hit maximize anyway and like don't even look at the stream unless it's like someone's really popping off and I want to see the stream go crazy. Yeah. But that's it. Like, I just, I mean, I usually put it up on my TV anyway. So it's, you know, just got to do it that way. Yeah. No, I, and I get that. Yeah. And then it's not the end of the world. Like, the overall event was still really well. I mean, it started a little late, but that's what happens when you base an announcement around a hockey game. Is it just happens kind of whenever the uh, period ends. So I guess that's kind of the reason for starting late. But overall, I really like the announcement. The Twitch mod was really the one thing. But outside of that... I think it was kind of pretty show, uh, solid showing all around. And then kind of moving on to this morning's announcement. It was very, very early. And we'll talk wait, about wait, why wait, wait. that Can happened. Can I say one more thing about the announcement, though, real quick? Yeah. That that stadium was dead silent for the announcement of, of Vancouver. It, nobody, like, I turned up my volume all the way to see if I could hear anybody talking. Nothing. And these guys, these hockey fans were just like, who are these Korean players? I and that's don't, the thing, too. I think if it on? wasn't all Korean players, it might have been a different reaction. Um, but I, I just think yeah, everyone's just like, like I had no idea what's going Overwatch? on. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, I think they were just, what the hell is Overwatch? And like, yeah. why, why should I care? Like, they were being treated like they were playing for the hockey team. This wasn't like quick announcements. This is like full-blown images on the ice camera focused on them they're waving nobody's saying anything you could have heard a pin drop in that arena it was really confused yeah it was just like people were just like i yeah i guess cool yeah like okay next like let's get to the next thing is kind of what evan the arena was thinking but everyone online was super excited for it so yeah i guess that just goes to show much different kind of target markets but yeah for sure um, like I was saying, we did have the second and final expansion team announcement. Dylan, I'm just going to hand it off to you because you've been waiting me. so long for this. I'm ready for it. Oh, man. Um, so, obviously, I had really high hopes for this team announcement. Um, obviously, rest in peace, DC Cherry Blossoms. It was a good run. They're always going to live on in my hearts as the best team that could have been. Um, but we still keep going on. And honestly, whenever I first saw the leaks... Um, for the team logo and the team design. I wasn't hyped at for at all for it. But oh my god, this morning, whenever they just dropped the announcement out of nowhere, I think just like my my love of, of, of this area superseded all that. 
it just absolutely superseded it and i am so incredibly hyped for this team now i actually really like the way that they announced it because the one thing i didn't like about paris's announcement is that it was so long and they were just like jerking us around and there was like 18 different countdowns and it was really not hype at all like to be honest it just really wasn't hype and i'm glad that the, the last night it was like later on in the night they were just like all right all right courts in session tomorrow and then just 6 a.m eastern standard time they just they just dropped the team um and i thought it was great because i gotta wake up and just check Twitter and it was there and the whole day I just been hyped because they've been slowly just kind of interacting like on their social media and stuff like that. They, they dropped their initial line of merchandise, their non overwatch league related items. So this is just, I, I don't want to say generic shirts, but just like shirts with the logo on it, yeah. some hats, a mug. Um, and then also someone's article, I don't remember whose, but I saw an article that like, had the Overwatch League uh, affiliated jerseys and, and actual T-shirts and stuff like that. That was uh, Washington Post had that. Yes, you're yes, right. They also had a reveal of the jerseys and stuff too. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I am so hyped for this now. I am. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to get my jersey. I'm ready to get my gavel out. I'm ready for this. They have I, honestly. I think they have the best shade of red in the whole league. Like, if you looked at that picture. All right, and you saw that arena lit up like that with that red. Oh man, it looks yeah. so good. So One thing I am really excited about is there was a full press release that I read, um, and in it they talked about some of the stuff they want to do um, on top of just having the team. They're going to have a lot of local events. They announced in there. I'm very excited for that. So I will tell everyone all about that, and I'll make sure I. Uh, Bring you guys the, the the insider information on the ground reporting for those local events. And Dustin, why don't you tell us why they dropped it so early in the morning at six six a.m. Eastern time? Was there some kind of reason why they did this? Yeah. Um, so the Fanatics uh, Overwatch League deal um, that was that was embargoed to come out at eight a.m. and their branding was in the press release. And I was just like, oh, well, that makes sense. They yeah. have to, they can't just spoil that that or officially spoil it. I mean, it had been spoiled like three times before that, but yeah. have it in some press release before they've even done their reveal, right? So they kind of had to beat that announcement out the door. Um, everyone was very confused as to why this was happening. So I, I felt like they kind of felt like a broken record today. I, keep, I kept having, like, I kept telling people, it's like, no, it's because of this. Like, yeah. They're not being stupid. Like they had to. They had no choice. They were basically forced into that time slot. But uh, you know, other people pointed out they could have done it weeks ago, which is true. That They've is true been, like, too. It's not like they had to wait ago, till the very so. last minute to kind of push it out. Yeah, well, I mean, sure. did this did this sneak up on them? Like, did was do you know if the timeline for this embargo was there already, or was it kind of like, oh, by the way, DC, do you have to get this by eight a.m. in two days or something? I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I don't know, like, I mean, obviously the branding work had been been done for a while. I leaked a while ago, so I, I think that, like, they mu they must have just been the last team scheduled to go, and this Fanatics deal just kind of got pushed up on them. Like, they're like, oh well, I guess we're kind of screwed. Oh well, so they just put it out at six in the morning. 
Yeah, and, and I so, mean, obviously well, it didn't affect it that much, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so just a little bit more about the Fanatics deal, and please correct me on anything if I'm wrong, because I'm oh, pretty much sure. quoting anything from your article um, of what I kind of know from this and just from other things I've read. But pretty much, Fanatics is taking over all official merchandise from the Overwatch League for all the teams. Um, they will be putting out the uh, hoodies, the uh, jerseys that you can buy through Blizzard and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's clear exactly if they're going to be selling it through the Blizzard website with heavy embeds or if it's going to be through their website or anything kind of like that. Like that detail still going out, but pretty much they're just taking over all the manufacturing and design work from Blizzard and they're the ones manufacturing with higher quality and all that. Is that pretty much correct of what you put out today? Yeah, more or less. Um, you know, I think the the impression I got is that they're building an e-commerce platform that'll be like, I, I don't know where it's going to live, if it's going to live like in the Blizzard shop somewhere or if it's going to live on its own and just link to from the shop or, or whatever. But like, I, I do, I do know that they're, they're building this platform. Um, you know, they're really excited about like their distribution methods and like how, how quickly they can manufacture stuff and all that sort of thing. So like, I, I think that like a lot of the availability issues, the issues that we saw with gear earlier on in season one, won't be a problem for season two. Yeah, and no, and I, I'm super excited for it because obviously when a company that specializes in manufacturing, clothing, distribution, all that kind of stuff takes over the merchandising deal, obviously there's going to be a hopefully more merchandise and more unique merchandise put out for different teams. It's all going to be higher quality. I mean, it hopefully it doesn't get too much more expensive, but you are going to be paying for higher quality because even today after that deal went out, I saw a lot of people on Twitter. I saw you interacting with people like, a lot of people are kind of unhappy about the official merchandise that was kind of put out by Blizzard, and everyone was just complimenting like the custom lines that are put out by teams. So hopefully that kind of brings that up, and that we don't have people complaining about the official gear kind of through Blizzard, because obviously you want that to kind of be high quality as well. And I hope it brings a lot larger variety rather than the same 15 items for every single Overwatch team. No, I think I, I so. I do agree that it would be nice if there was a larger variety, but I think definitely later on, um, especially in the later parts of Overwatch League uh, last season, the, the merch shop felt really good. I, I ordered from it twice, and I got things pretty fast. Everything felt like a fair price, besides obviously the the Cyber the 75% Monday off. deal. That makes everything yeah, but, really besides nice. that, I meant the other prices. Like they they felt fine and. The, the the clothes and stuff like that, it they felt really good quality. Like I, I wasn't I wasn't sad by it. Like, yes, obviously early in the season there was all those issues and stuff, and yeah, everyone basically just has the same gear, just different branding. So it would be nice to have more. But I think where the real value of this is gonna come out is I'm sure Blizzard is saving a ton of money by contracting this out. I'm sure that's probably where their their real value is. And I hope it still does live on the Blizzard site because it is kind of convenient, except for the fact that, I don't know, like navigating through Blizzard's site, through like the regular site to Overwatch to the gear site, it's like a bunch of internal sites and it feels really weird to navigate around. I still do like it in the same domain though. And I do like how I can just log into my Blizzard account to do all of it. So I kind of I kind of do hope it all stays in the same area. Just a lot more variety would be nice. Uh, Dustin, did you have anything out of that? Otherwise, we're going to stay in Overwatch topics still a little bit more, but we're going to kind of move a little more toward looking at the season. Did anything else you wanted to kind of touch up on the initial branding reveals or the clothing deal? No, I, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, you know, I'm excited to see how all that all that goes next. 
yeah, and I think we'll be hearing a lot more about, especially the clothing deal. It's supposed to be out a little bit before the start of season two, so hopefully sometime mid-January we start seeing some that kind of start rolling out, especially with some of the expansion teams so they actually get the first chance to get some of the merch from those. But with that, I kind of had two bullet points for these this next topic I want to kind of bring into one. So for a lot of people that are Overwatch fans, um, we saw Silk Threads, uh, Silk Thread announcing that he's retiring from Overwatch. Even though he had a contract to go over and play in China, he decided actually never mind. Um, I'm kind of moving on. I'm retiring and I'm moving on from the scene. And then also a tweet that you kind of put out, um, Dustin, is that you thought, I mean, is it a potential that the Overwatch offseason is too long? Because we've seen like the LA, LA Valiant and NYXL and the Fusion all having these show matches. And we saw the uh, California Cup a couple months ago. Like We've seen all these teams trying to play more matches. Like They want to keep playing more. So what do you guys think about the off-season length, about burnout, and kind of the overall schedule of the whole Silk Thread retirement? Like I want to kind of bring these into one big conversation because I feel like there's talking points from each one of them that can be related to the other one. So Dustin, I'll kind of hand it off to you first to kind of take a stab at either one of the points that you want to kind of make a comment here or two on. Um, I mean, I think, I do think that the season, the off season is a little bit too long, you know, especially for a lot of these teams that didn't make playoffs. Like they haven't really played a game since, uh, what June? Yeah, I guess something like that. Like, no, June. I think think all-stars is in July. Yeah. Yeah. So like if they make all-stars, they didn't make playoffs. You're talking about players that like maybe were on the shock. Maybe we're on uh, the Outlaws. Just teams like that that just didn't make playoffs, didn't really have a whole lot of off-season stuff to do, aside from maybe World Cup. Like, they've just kind of been hanging out, like just doing doing occasional stuff with their team, but otherwise streaming. Yeah. Um, a lot of these guys that I talk to, even at the World Cup group stage, are like, I'm bored. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing going on. Like, I'm not used to this whole big lull of activity i understand that like a lot of traditional sports have a, a fairly long off season but like these guys aren't really used to that i think everybody's getting really antsy to play at this point especially you know given that we're moving into december and everything um but yeah and you know like a lot of these guys said yeah you know i, I was burnt out during the season but that was only because of the way the season was structured um, now they've had a little bit of a break. They're ready to go again. And like, I think, I don't think that burnout thing is going to happen too much this year. So yeah. especially with so, the way they structured it. Yeah. So I guess another question to kind of post on that before you get a chance to answer, uh, you're, you're kind of part of it, Dylan. Is that like, and if you look at the NFL, I mean, uh, not NFL, even league of legends, I mean, worlds ended in November and then the season starts back up in January. I'm pretty sure. Or, uh, I think late January, early February, around the same time as uh, yeah. the Overwatch League starts back up too. And I mean, I don't see why you can't stretch out the season so much more than what it currently is. Because right now it goes, what, February to July, June-ish? So, I mean, if you just stretch that out over a couple more months, and I think, yeah, you're even talking about a little bit more now, that the league's being restructured to kind of get rid of that burnout. And if you use some of those more months, those five, six months that you're taking off right now to extend the season a little bit more, give some during season breaks to the players. I think that builds, keeps the hype going over a longer period of time. I mean, you see larger esports like uh, League already doing it. 
and then you prevent the people from having to wait so long between seasons to get what they actually want to watch. Dylan, what do you? What is your whole stance kind of on this? So, I will start out by saying, because obviously I have to just disagree with anything you guys say and always push back against it. Um, I do agree on the point that it is a little bit too long. It is kind of like six months on, six months off, which is a long time, but I don't think it's terrible. Like, I, like, I don't think it's like a huge egregious thing, and I think it's more on the side of, I, I don't know if it's like teams or the, the organization overall, but they could be doing things. They could be doing things so the players aren't bored. Now, like I said, I do agree that it should be a little bit of a shorter downtime, but I think a longer downtime is still fine. I mean, eh, they should be running training camps, right? Uh, or they should be they should be really hyping up on their training and stuff like that. They should be doing cool things like uh, Fusion did with their homecoming. They should be doing stuff like that. Like you can you can do more stuff. You can have players play games. You just you just kind of need to do it. And I don't know. I think it's a good time to to take that break. And the organization shouldn't just be let letting players just like sit around and like stream all day and like you know like twiddle their thumbs they they should be they should be training they should be doing the interesting kind of training that you can be doing during the off time that you know while you're playing games and you have a hectic schedule it is harder to do they should be focused on different aspects of the player's wellness during this time and unfortunately they're probably not doing that at all they're probably just letting them hang around the house and they, i'm sure they're scrimming and stuff but they're not i don't think they're fully utilizing the time that they have yeah, I'm pretty sure scrims is, uh, if they haven't started back up, they're about to. So, And I I think someone in the chat actually made a really good point is that contenders happens, just happens to line up exactly kind of with offseason, that they give you the full chance to kind of experience all that. And if you want more Overwatch League, we'll go watch Tier 2 Overwatch and watch contenders. And I think some of that makes sense, but the Overwatch League is your big league. It's your big thing in that, you don't want to shorten it or limit the amount it can grow because you want the underseed to grow. I'm a big supporter of Tier 2 Overwatch. Every single time it's on, I'm always watching it. Like, I don't want to take away from contenders, but if you have teams saying, hey, with players saying, we're bored, them scheduling their own tournaments and matches because they want to play, they want to get back into the season, I think that just goes to say that's a little too long. I mean, I'm not saying a month down or two months down, but... I mean, maybe give it enough time for the players to get a month break. Maybe you can do a tournament or two, like uh, Fusion's Homecoming, and then it starts back up like a month or two later. Like a four to five month one. Four months versus six months, I feel like that gives time for contenders to shine. It gives players time to kind of relax and get rid of that burnout without it being too long. I don't know. I, I think we can come up with solutions and say, oh, we could do this, we could do this all day long but i think it's just blizzard's choice ultimately and hopefully we'll see what changes going into next offseason because we already saw the changes that they made to the structure from season one because players had complaints about that and fans had complaints about that so obviously they can't do anything to change it now and we'll be curious to see how they change it next offseason so another question i have about the off time is do you think the off time is so long because this, just the whole operation is extremely expensive to run? Could that also be a reason that maybe having it run eight months out of the year is just not sustainable? 
Like, is, is, do, is that a concern? Because I would have no idea. I would, I mean, I'd imagine that comes into the equation somewhere. You know, there's also a World Cup to think about, too. So, you know, they, they have to run all of World Cup. They have to run, you know, all these different regions, all the group stages, then BlizzCon. Um, you know, I, I just, I think they're giving maybe a little bit too big of a, like, they're giving it a little bit too much, like, of a wide berth, like, as far as the, um, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, you know, the scheduling for World Cup. They're just yeah. kind of giving it a little bit too much, too much room to breathe. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that the cost probably does come into it a little bit. You know, they got, they got to pay casters, they got to pay all their, you know, their broadcast crew, they got to pay, pay the observers, they got to pay PR people, they got to, you know, it's just a lot, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of expense. So, like, you know, maybe have, maybe having all these uh, teams playing throughout the, throughout the year is just, uh, might be a too big of an ask. I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, no, and I agree. I mean, you've seen some great casters and, like, kind of the personalities on the uh, Blizzard side not make the cut for next season. I mean, I don't know if they're planning on just going with new people, if they're trying to downsize and cut back on some of their um, spending for it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Reinforce fan, so I was just I was sad to see him go. But, I mean, I think they might be trying to cut back in cost here and there and go with more minimal personality crew or other crews just kind of overall maybe behind the scenes to cut back on costs so maybe they can't extend the um, season or just kind of become more profitable because, yes, this is something for the players, but ultimately Blizzard's ultimate goal is to make money off this. And if they think a shorter season with less personalities and kind of less games is going to make them more money, they're going to do what they think makes the most money because that's just kind of how video games, esports, any business works. Is a bottom line for a lot of things is to make money. So I think that is a really good point to make that we could be saying like, why not do an eight like a four month off season? Well, that's two more months we have to pay everyone, and that's just not something we can do right now. On top of the world cup, that you made a good point there. Yeah, I mean, like the other thing too is you know we say that the season's less games, but it actually works out to more games that the that Blizzard has to put on. Because there's just more teams. Yeah. So just because you have 28 games, you've got 20 teams now instead of 12. So that it still works out to like, I think that I think I saw that it works out to like over 100 more games that they have to put on. Wow. Like throughout the course of the season. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not nothing. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's a big change, and nonetheless, I think all three of us can agree that we want the. Season to start now. That's kind of why we're talking about this offseason too long because we all are just dying for it to start back up now. Now that the team announcements are out, now that we're starting to see most of the rosters kind of be established now. I think all we're thinking about is when is this starting? When can we start playing? Which is really the real reason kind of behind this conversation is because you saw DeFran saying, well, I'm bored. Like, can the Overwatch Season 2 start? It's kind of where this whole discussion came from. So, so yeah. is there anything, like, we kind of did a good half an hour of overwatch there is there anything you guys kind of want to touch on before we kind of move in the second half of the show which will be a little less overwatch i'm just excited for it i'm ready for it to start i'm i'm really i'm really excited i really hope this this next season looks like it's going to be really good so i have high hope okay i'm ti- i'm tired of writing about off-season stuff can we i really just want to, i want the season to start so i can start talking to players on a more consistent basis again and you know, not have to stretch out my World Cup stuff. Yeah, just make that last as long as possible. 
Um, I actually, I want to get a, like, Dustin, if you have to pick one team right now, just based on the current rosters and all that, who do you think is going to win season two from Overwatch? Oh, God. Throwing it out. Uh, God, who's going to win? Yes, win it all. It's such a, such a hard, hard question. It's a loaded question. I don't know who's going to win, but well, who I, do you I'll tell you who I think is the most improved. Two. I'll tell you who I think is most improved. How's that? Yes. Shanghai. Okay. Shanghai is most improved. I think I think they're going to be a top three team next year. Wow. Yeah, their new their new roster is uh, scary, dude. It's real scary. All right. A lot of, any all the analysts I've talked to, all the coaches, the GMs are just like, yeah, Shanghai kind of got uh, not lucky, but they they went out and spent a huge amount of money to get the right players. So uh, I know a lot of teams in the league are kind of like. Looking at looking at Shanghai again and going, yeah, that's gonna be rough. Yeah, well, I mean, that'd be a great story arc too to go from 0 and 40 to like having a great second season would be a really good kind of redemption arc there. Dylan, do I even need to ask you who yes, you think is gonna I, do you well? Do, you do need to ask me. Ask the question. Who do you think? I he said most improved. I have. I want you to pick who's gonna win season two. It's gonna be DC. You okay. know, I'm gonna say DC. I know you're going to say DC. That's but why you I don't asked know the, the roster just... yet. It doesn't matter. I can feel it in my heart. Overwatch is not about skill. It's about what you have in your heart. We're moving on. Because I can't listen to those kind of oh, rants boy. anymore from you. But before we go into the, our kind of second half of the show, I just want to remind everyone once again, if you do have Twitch Prime, you have Amazon Prime. And uh, that means you get a free uh, Twitch Prime subscription each and every month. It does not automatically renew, so take your money away from Amazon, take that $5 from Amazon, and give it to a content creator. Give it to anyone that streams. It doesn't even have to be us or the game house. Give it to your favorite streamer. Give it to Re- uh, Reinforce that needs it now that he doesn't have a really a job anymore through Overwatch League. Give it to anyone that means, because take that money away from Amazon, because they already have so much of it. So that's just a friendly reminder that any support to any small or large streamer means a world to each and every one of them. So make sure to go out and do that if you can. Yeah, Bezos has too much money. Redistribute that wealth. Exactly. But with that, I want to talk... I mean, we just kind of ended with Shanghai for Overwatch. So, moving over that transition to just talking kind of China and esports. So, we... I, well, I guess Dylan, I don't know how much you know. Dustin, how how far closely do you follow League of Legends, Dustin? Um, fairly. I mean, like... I'll, I'll be honest, it, it's been a little hard since Unicorn got banned from our League of Legends so for me to like really have a, a whole lot of uh, you know yeah. uh, incentive, I guess, to cover it a lot. But, no, I uh, get that. And yeah. r slash League of Legends, getting banned from that nowadays as a reporter or writer isn't really saying much because that that's a, it's, it's a badge of honor at this point. I, yeah. I feel like I, I, I raised enough hell to... to get banned over there I, I think that's uh that's something so even though it's only because we're a gambling site but yeah whatever no, i'll just I take credit for it. <laughs> but what i really want to say is that we've seen the numbers for really all esports but league of legends too you can definitely see the huge difference in numbership for like worlds or anything kind of like that you can see there's just a huge gap between the chinese player base and the ones that view and kind of the na and the rest of the world we we're talking about this even last week um on that episode with uh thomas but Steam is officially kind of making its way into with the, like a strategic partnership to kind of solidify its place. It's kind of been in a gray area for the last couple of years. And right now, there's only 30 million people 
using Steam right now in all of China, which is an incredibly small amount. There's more people in the United States using it than in China, and China has a much larger kind of esports and gaming audience. And what I really want to kind of talk about is why are they kind of bending so much to this? I mean, we see the International 9 is going to be played in China. It's the first time it's ever being hosted outside of NA or EU. Steam is making a lot of exceptions and allowing, um, I'm sorry, uh, Perfect World to kind of go through and um, censor or like decide which games aren't going in. Like Steam is pretty much breaking its back to get into China. I mean, do we think this is purely just so that the Dota scene and esports can grow more? That they just have to do whatever it takes to get into China? Or why are they doing so much to kind of make sure to get into this industry, which we've seen be so large and successful for other esports? That audience. That audience is just too big. How can you how can you not try to try to jump into it? I mean, it's it's really incredible and it's like like a, a a huge corporate shift like that your company is going to make like your company is could jump a tier just for moving into china like this and esports has been huge there it just like even just talking about like steam related things like dota like the original dota like the warcraft 3 mod oh my god that game was so big there um back in the day whenever they would run tournaments obviously it was huge in china and there was this really it's like my favorite Dota video of all time. One of the best players, his name is Grubby. Um, he was over in China, and it was so big there. He had, like, like fans. Like, he had, like, fangirls and stuff. And th this is, like, remnants of, like, like, uh, like the original StarCraft days and stuff, where there was, like, the, you would have, like, uh, like the eSports fangirls, like, chase after these players. And he would, like, was, like, running, and he'd, like, jump through a window to get away from them and stuff like that. But, like... It's it's actually really big there, and I feel like a lot of people haven't played Dota two, who probably played Dota one just because of Steam and stuff like that. So they need to get into into that market. Yeah, it's 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 all about the dollar signs. I mean, like you you can't look at at how just how much money is in China, like for gaming and for for everything. It, it there's just so much capital there. And I mean, Valve wants a piece of that, man. Yeah. Like they they want in there, like officially, um, you know, and without you know without restriction, without you know whatever, they just want to be there. I mean, I think they're them putting the international there is a huge statement. Obviously, it, it it's going to prove to be a kind of controversial with everything that's going on in in the Dota scene right now. Uh, what with you know the the chunk the. Forgive me if I butcher this pronunciation. That the Chongying major going yeah. on, and uh, you know, with players being banned, like the government stepping in because you know two players are being racist, and just saying if they come here, like we can cancel the whole event if they're in attendance. Like it, it's no joke. Like I, I mean, Valve is kind of having to deal with this kind of thing for the first time you know, form a government stepping in. And then it's kind of a result of Valve being hands-off with their esports scene, you know? Like, um, this, you wouldn't see this, like, be a question in other esports if a player is, you know, being racist or whatever. They just get banned. Yeah. No, period. Like, you don't have to... There's no controversy. It's in a rule book. 
and that's it. Valve doesn't have a rule book for their their Dota championships. They don't have a rule book for TI. It's just they they brief teams in person on what the rules are, and and that's it. Like it's just it's not as it's not as controlled, and like a lot of people in esports like that, but it's not it's not really conducive to running uh, an esport that has become that is the biggest rewarding prize pool wise period and has been for years and years now so that's my follow-up question of that does an esport or like an esport league have to include china if they want to be successful in the long term can an esport league do like large levels of success without including china yes or no no but it helps no, it, it just more money. That's the thing. Like you can have a successful game. You just it's just a lot more. Yeah, I mean, if you look at every tier one esport, like with the exception of like maybe CS:GO, like everybody has China. You know, a lot of the the, the other teams that are like tier, they're the other games rather that are like tier two, tier three. Your your smites, your uh, Call of Duties. You're they're not in China. Or if they are, they aren't. They aren't playing the same game we are. Um, you know, like Call of Duty is like playing Call of Duty online, which isn't the same thing as as Black Ops Four. Which is still um, crazy to me. When I first found out that like China has its own Call of Duty game that like all online it includes all the different games, that was just crazy to me when I first found out about that. I know it's kind of a side thing, but I just thought that was when I first learned about that. I thought that my mind was blown. Yeah, same. I mean, like, it's learning about China's gaming scene is just fascinating in general. Like, it, it's not it's not what you what you think of when you when you think of the gaming scene. Like, here everything's open. You can get any game you want at any time. There, yeah, the government doesn't like it. They don't have to let the game in. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, I just 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 be glad you don't live in a communist country. I guess. Yes. Now, I think, um, sorry, just to add an extra little story onto there, because I think uh, a lot of just media in general um, from the outside into China is very interesting, to say the least. Um, so I know this was a story from maybe a year or two ago, so I don't know how accurate this still is. Um, but bending backwards to get into Chinese media isn't a new thing, um, especially for America, because I know there was a big deal with um, us trying to get movies over there. Um, so the way that it did work a couple of years ago, I, I don't know if this is still the case. I would assume so because it was like only two years ago. But they only allow a certain amount of movies from America to go over into theaters in China. Yeah, but, that's true. But they can get around that by doing certain things, mainly working with Chinese movie companies. So I know there was a couple big blockbuster movies out there that had like a lot of famous Chinese actors in in them or they included like kind of like i don't want to say weird but like weird like plots that involved like like a lot of just like random chinese actors and it was a little bit confusing but the reason why they did that is because then they were able to skip around that like 10 movie limit so to speak and just go straight into theaters because if you get into a theater in china that's like millions and like like it's like billions of dollars in in, in the box office right there so doing doing these things that like bend over backwards to get into Chinese media, it definitely is not a new thing at all. Yeah, Iron Man 3 did that. I, I, I remember they had, like, an extra... It was Iron Man 3 and Age of Ultron, I think, did that. 
like they had like extra scenes like that weren't in American theaters at all, like extra subplots, extra, hmm. um, you know, they they just like it was basically a deleted scene for the U.S. But like it was it was in the, the Chinese like version of the movie, and yeah, it's it is it is crazy, but they, they you know it's a lot of money. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it just makes sense, and yeah, the sex you don't need it for success, but having all that extra money, no one's ever going to say no to. So if you can find a way to get into it, um, we are getting a little close to time there, Dylan. But I want you to tell me a little bit, kind of about Hearthstone, which you've kind of moved on from for your little Magic of the Gathering. But I want to hear what you kind of think about this Hearthstone kind of revamp for esports. Yeah, so this isn't a huge, huge story, um, but it's ni- it's something nice and small um, that's kind of fun to talk about because, I mean, I still do like Hearthstone and stuff like that. I do hope it's a success because there is a space for it in the esports world. Um, so what they're doing is they're revamping their their esport, essentially, and how it's, like, run. So mainly there is now going to be kind of, like, three tiers to the tournaments. So you're, they're going to have a lot more online qualifiers now, which I'm really hoping that means they're going to get an in-game tournament system. One can only hope, though, but eh, that, that, that's something that's been really big in, in Hearthstone. They've been saying they want to get an in-game tournament system, but it's always, you know, Blizzard soon TM kind of thing. Um, so I'm really hoping that they push that forward to help run these online tournaments. But you'll have online tournaments that if you win one of them, you're going to be invited into a, a live invitational tournament, which means I think, I think that means all their live tournaments are invitationals. They did say there's a lot more of them, and there's going to be a lot more online tournaments to get invited to, but it's looking like a lot of the live tournaments are going to be invitationals. And then those are going to lead up to the premier competitions. And all of these give you points. And that's how this whole entire system run is just run on points. So if you win a tournament, you get enough points where you can go out to a live event. And I think it says right here, if you get a certain amount of points, you actually get to choose the location of the live event that you want to go to. So it's not like you win tournament and they're like, okay, go. you're going to Korea in, in two weeks because it, it could be hard to do that. So you can kind of it, – it's kind of like you, you get a ticket, like a like an entry ticket, and you get to choose one that's kind of convenient for you to go to. And obviously if you win that one, you get more and more points, and then eventually dream is to go to BlizzCon, which I think this is really cool because it seems like there's a viable avenue to like actually go places. Now, because they're having so many invitationals, I'm a little bit worried that they're going to kind of stack it a little bit for, you know, premier players that are already really good and have teams and stuff that are established. But with these online tournaments, it does seem feasible for, you know, an online warrior to just go out there, grind these online tournaments and hopefully win one to get to some of these live events. And if they do well, they can actually get to some serious tournaments, which is really cool to see that. If I'm correct, is this basically how the StarCraft II kind of model worked for getting to Blizzard, uh, BlizzCon? Kind of? Kind sort of? Um, this, the StarCraft model is really weird because there's like... there is a, So it is the point system. It is the same point system where you need a certain amount of points to get to BlizzCon. Except this one is more online focused. And I don't know how many of these online tournaments are going to be third-party run. Okay. Because the way the StarCraft goes is you can have these third-party tournaments, but they have to be kind of, like, approved by Blizzard. 
and you get granted like they, they say like okay like dreamhack for example like dreamhack you guys are good to go well that's a that's a live tournament but they're like okay dreamhack you're you're good here's the the breakdown of points for people who get first second third fourth whatever top 16 um I, I just because they haven't actually run this i can't really say okay but i'm guessing it's it's hearthstones i think it might be more first party unfortunately but we'll yeah, see yeah it's um i think they're partnering with uh God, who do they partner with this year? Battlefy again? I think it's 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 gonna be all Battlefy stuff. It's okay, that all makes generated sense. like that. That makes so, sense. So so yeah, it's just gonna be like as many Battlefy tournaments that can be generated will contribute points and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's interesting. I I think that they're moving it in the right direction. Finally, it only took them what five years yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it, they, they've been working so long on on figuring out what feels good for hearthstone and they're getting it a little bit better each time and i mean they're 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 not taking this too lightly what is the the price well, four million dollars in prizes yeah is, it's it's, it's, it's pretty a lot. crazy but like my question is like is it is it too late now with artifact coming out nope one hundred percent, it's not because people are still buying packs, and that's that's the thing is the the, the model that Hearthstone runs on is just they want to sell those card packs, and as long as people are kind of still playing the game, it's incredibly profitable for them, like incredibly profitable. I I cannot understate how how profitable it is when you're just selling these card packs like for two dollars each. It's insane because it's really hard to grind that game out in, in getting a tier one deck. It takes yeah, yeah, a long sure. time. But, but I mean, but, like, you know, I, I guess what the what, more what I'm driving at is like the viewership side of Hearthstone. It's not it's not great. Like, I really wish more people watched Hearthstone esports. Yeah, I wish more people cared about Hearthstone esports because I don't know if you've ever tried to write an article about Hearthstone esports and get it get anybody to click on it but i have and it's not fun <laughs> so i actually oh boy here we go let's let's put on these tinfoil hats because i have an interesting theory so the, in, the the thing about hearthstone and what made it a really cool esport it was one of the first games that you could be really hands-off with so you could play the game and still interact with chat a lot so disguised toast um hafu uh Reynad, big big personalities that played hearthstone right because you can you can you can be interactive with the chat and play the game at the same time and still like play the game well. And those are some of the people who like, you know, were really popular. And that's what made Hearthstone really interesting to watch was the good personalities. You want to see Firebat win, because Firebat when in his stream, he's a goon. He's a great guy. He's interesting to watch. So you want to see him win. Now I think I think Hearthstone is gonna start going down a lot because Twitch is big on IRL. So all these people with big personalities, they're like, I don't even need to play a game anymore. I can just be 100% personality. And we're starting to see people like Disguise Toast do that. Like, yeah, he, sh he still plays, but he's starting to play other games now, and he's starting to do IRL streams. So I think a lot of the big, big personalities are going to start moving to other things, whether that be variety streaming, other games, or maybe just IRL fully. So I think, in turn, that's going to make Hearthstone Esports take a hit because... If you don't have these big personalities, what are you really watching for? Yeah. Hearthstone is an eSport. Resident Sleeper. Oh my god. <laughs> right? 
So, I mean, do you think a lot of these big personalities are going to go to Artifact and try and... I feel like, like Artifact's way there? too complicated from what people have been saying, and I feel like that'll hurt the esports scene and that, that people are playing don't know what's going on. So how are the, any viewers going to be interested in what's going on, I feel like? Well, the, it's, it's the early days of the meta, That's right? True. Like, you know, like, Hearthstone was like that, too. No one really knew what what the hell was going on with Hearthstone when it first started. Not in the beta, not really. Yeah, that's true. Now, I think one, I, I I don't think it's gonna it's so it's it's complicated, but it's not complicated. It's complicated in the aspect of yeah, all card games are kind of complicated, and if you think about it, all esports are complicated. Like League of Legends, like actual like strategy within League of Legends is really complicated and intense. But the thing is, is that once you kind of start to understand it, it makes a lot more sense. And Artifact is just weird because it's not a traditional card game. Because it, it's like a weird... It's like based on Dota, so there's like three lanes and there's like phases. And at first, it's really weird and it doesn't seem like it makes sense. But once you watch it a little bit, it does start to make a lot more sense. And it there's like a rhythm to the game that once you kind of understand how the rhythm of the game plays out, you can at least watch it. I don't know about strategy because I haven't played the game. I just kind of watched it a little bit, so I, I can't really say on strategy. But as as far as watching it, once you understand the rhythm of how the game plays out, it, it makes a lot more sense. I don't know yeah, if it's going to be popular, but yeah, I mean the the active player count definitely like it's not. I don't think it's as high as Valve wanted it to be. Like oh no, out of the gate, but like they're already like the amount of cards being traded on the Steam market is impressive. Like it's over. I think it was like 36 million cards or something like that have been traded in like the first couple of days. So, I mean, clearly there's something there. If nothing else, the economy for Steam players to, you know, mess with, even if they're not really playing the game too much. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's weird. I I don't like the model though of the game costs money and then also. There's a card economy. I really don't like that. That doesn't. I mean, I guess you can look at it as in the the twenty or forty dollars that you're spending is kind of like your intro decks, and that's what you're paying for. But I don't know. It it kind of feels bad that there is an online economy to this card game because it reminds me of like Magic the Gathering online. Which well, that's. Uh, I mean, it's designed by the same guy who made Magic. So well, yeah, yeah. Kind of the which, same. God bless Garfield. What a what a great man. Which, which is which is why I think it's actually going to be a good game because he, he designed like a, a good card game like arguably like the best card game ever made that like is still going on like tw- more than twenty five years right so uh, we're coming up on thirty pretty soon here is it really thirty already wow yeah I mean didn't it when did Alpha come out ninety right so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they had their twenty fifth anniversary i think last year i don't know but yeah it, it is it is kind of getting close to 30 regardless but yeah it's an old game and people are constantly playing it and the i mean the, the dude who designed it was designing sets off and on up until like this summer like like this past summer he made a, a set for the game so it's not like oh, that he's you're right yeah it's not like he's been retired from designing it's he's constantly been designing cards and stuff for 30 years so he knows what he's doing for sure so i have no doubts that this game is at least decent 
Well, I think you two could keep talking about card games for quite a while now. But we are hitting our 6.30 kind of regular time limit there. So I do want to wrap up the show. But before I do that, do either one of you have last little comments that I may have, we may have brushed over? Any last things that came up? Any breaking news that we absolutely missed? Anything you guys want to touch on before we kind of wrap up? Um... Yeah, something that just kind of happened while the show was going on. We touched a little bit on the, the Dota 2 drama that was going on. Um, TNC, the the team that, that was, you know, that had that player cuckoo that, or that was being, like, you know, less than kosher. So, basically, Valve had said, they're like, okay, like, don't worry. Like, you guys can find a sub. We won't dock you points. It's fine. But... The problem was that TNC then came back and was like, no, this like isn't our fault. We're the victims in this situation, even though we have a kind of a racist player on our team, Wow. whatever. So Valve's like, okay, well, you guys aren't taking responsibility. So they just, they, they ended up banning the player from the event and then docking them 20% of their overall Dota championship points, which is, wow. that's a, that's a huge deal. Like they're, I mean, it's going to hurt their their shot at getting into TI next year. So, you know, that's uh, not not a great look. I mean, if you, you, you have a player that's doing that, you take responsibility for it. You issue an apology and and move on with your life, not not Quite what they did. Like, no, we were the victim, actually, guys. Like, I don't know about Ooh, that. Yeah, so, yeah, thank you for that kind of follow-up. And something I saw in chat and something that happened, like, right as we were going live. Um, Zachary is also... Um, been picked up officially by the Dow's Fuel. Um, he's kind of been... Yo. Go- what? That's awesome. I said, yo. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were saying no. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with that? Yeah, so no, that's awesome yo. for him. I know... That's awesome. I- oh, go on. No, he's a great player. Like, I, I, I think he, he's long, long, long overdue. Uh, I'm excited to see him in the league. And I think the Fuel is a good fit for him, like, just in terms of... Uh, you know the the players on that roster, and um, they are definitely America's team. That's for sure, or one of them anyway. Yeah. So so that's a great pickup too. And I know other little um, uh, moves have been made too. A lot of those are probably talked more on the Watch House show, which I know you were on a while back oh, too. So they stream on Sunday nights. So do check them out for all the smaller roster moves. We try to keep it to a little bit bigger conversation. But Zachary, I've kind of been following for a while, so I wanted to mention that, and someone brought it up in chat. But. That kind of wraps up today's show. And I want to thank you so much for coming out today, Dustin. It was awesome talking to you. So glad. We kind of planned this a couple of weeks in advance, and I'm so glad it still worked out to have you come on. It was actually a great day with some of your big articles kind of coming out too. So thank you so much for taking your time to come on and talk with us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next time I come on, I'll uh, try to have my camera set. <laughs> no, that's no problem. That, that's kind of on my end too. I forgot to kind of remind you about that. But with that, that does kind of wrap up everything on today's episode. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. And um, do go follow Dustin on Twitter. Um, you've kind of been seeing his uh, hashtag pop up on screen so often. It's Get Steinard. He posts up a lot of awesome articles for Unicorn. I'm constantly following him. And I feel like every article I click on is from him. So he's putting a lot of great stuff. So do follow him and make sure to check that out. But also, any follows, like, comments, Anything you do when interact with us, whether it's on Twitter, um, YouTube, or anything like that, it all means the world to us at all. We're, everything we do is for you guys with the content that we create. We do it for you. So letting us know what you like, what you don't like. If you want Dustin on more, let us know. We'll hopefully find time in his busy schedule to get him on more. So let us know. Interact with us whatever way possible because it all does mean the world to us.
and Andrew, did you know that you can find us every single Monday, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time? I don't think we've, we, we, we haven't had like an off week ever, like since we started more than a year ago, oh, wow. maybe one or two, maybe one or two, but we, we, we're here like every single week. So 6.30 Eastern Standard Time right here on twitch.tv slash the game house. Um, you can also find us the following day um, by searching the Project Esports podcast on any podcast platform. Like when I say any, I literally mean any. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, any one of them. Just you search any podcast platform, we're on it. I promise you. If we're not, DM me personally and I'll get us on there. I, I mean, I won't because I don't have that ability, but. <laughs> but I'll get still, on it. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get he'll, he'll have his people call their people yeah. and it'll work. But with that, Dustin, I totally forgot to prepare you. I forget to do this every single week. But I'm sure you catch on very quickly, so we're about to do a shine off. But I'm Andrew. I'm Dylan. And I'm Dustin. And thank you very much for tuning in to the Project Esports Podcast. We will see you guys next Monday. And don't forget to check out our awesome interview with Steve Ford and the first episode of the Overwatch Branding Series going up Wednesday and Thursday. See you guys next week.